0: that's the title of the message today, Leftovers, and we're going to talk a little bit about that on a spiritual level, and so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I want to thank you for each one here today. Father, there are many that are out traveling and out of town today. I pray you keep them safe and draw their hearts in closer to you, but also as we are here today that we will recognize you and be drawn in closer to you by your spirit, and I pray, Father, that our hearts will... I just praise you for your love for us, for your interaction with us, for your your loving care for for so many things, Father. And I pray that this message, Father, will um will, will just motivate us even more to be that much more your people for your glory in Jesus name. Amen. As I was saying, you know, at our house we host a host a Thanksgiving, we always have to make sure we have a lot of a lot of leftovers. We love to eat pumpkin pie for breakfast. We love not having to cook meals for several days. I I like trying to be creative with the leftovers to try to figure out what I can make that it wasn't on Thanksgiving at times if I'm feeling creative. And so I enjoy utilizing all that the best that I can. But as I was saying, there does come a time when we need to clean out our leftovers. Some of you might clean it out in three days. Some of you might clean it out in two weeks. And maybe some later because you forgot us in the back of your refrigerator. Surprise. We have to be aware of the fact that we, we have leftovers that we can eat, but also that that can go bad and that need to be thrown out. Where am I going with this? Jesus has given us new life, right? And we should no longer be holding on to the old life. So you see the old life is relating to what? The leftovers. So the new life that he's given us is what we're to embrace. The old life, we still have leftovers in our life of the old life. And we need to do our best to get rid of those leftovers because we let them in our life for too long. Like the leftovers in your refrigerator, they get fuzzy and change color and they're not healthy to, to have in your life. And so we're going to look at those type of leftovers, not the fuzzy ones, the ones that we need to get rid of that that affect our life with Christ. So in Ephesians 4, 20 through 24, it says, But you have not so learned Christ, but if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, and true righteousness and holiness. So, putting off the old man is putting off the leftovers of our old sinful nature. And getting rid of them, right? And God says, this is what God is teaching us. Teaching us how to live the new life in Christ. Living that new life, recognizing that new life, having that relationship with God. Seeing and learning how he thinks, how he changes, how we behave, how we find ourselves uh, walking in line with him more. We see the characteristics of God in our life uh, being developed more and more in our life. We see God changing us and transforming us. How many of us see God transforming us? Are we the same people spiritually that we were 15 years ago? Or are we more mature in Christ? Are we, are we more mature in Christ than we were last year? Are we growing? And we measure that by how close we are to Jesus. The closer we get to Jesus, the more the transformation is taking place. Because we can't get close to Jesus without the transformation, which means putting out the old, the old self. And applying the new self and we see God putting that those new virtues and values and principles of his character in our lives and we go wow I'm not the person I used to be and my wife is blessed because of my relationship with God and God is changing me so praise God for that and we need to praise him for that we are to be renewed and put off our former conduct this is this is something we all know but we have to make sure that we're making diligent effort to put off the old sinful nature and how we respond in ways of the flesh or, or, or the things of the flesh that we love, that those are the things that we need to, need to put off. Have you ever found yourself, and I'm sure you have, I don't think that's too presumptuous to say, We're for no apparent reason, no, your mind just drifts off to something and you're going, what in the world am I thinking about? <laughs> and why? Well, we know it's the enemy, but it's also our own flesh. And it's the old man. And so we, we have to catch ourselves. I know I do all the time. So Lord, forgive me for thinking about that. I renounce that in Jesus' name. I don't want anything to do with that. And push it out. And that's part of putting away or getting rid of the old leftovers. It's a constant pushing out of those things. Sometimes we keep leftovers from our old self, right? Sometimes we like the old self. Sometimes we don't want the old self to change. We like our old life. And some of those leftovers of our old self can taste good, feel good, and be comfortable. But it always echoes in my head, sin is pleasurable for a moment. And then comes forth death. So we may find ourselves enjoying responding a certain way or indulging in a certain way but we need to remind ourselves that the deception is that we will find destruction at the end of that pleasure the, the enemy is working to try to keep us from being the people of god and having that close intimate relationship with them look what leftovers paul tells us to throw out in ephesians 4:25 and through 31 therefore putting away lying let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the, to the devil. You know, that's, that's not easy, is it? If we can be angry and not sin, that we're in tune with God, mean, we know we're, we're upset, we know we're angry, but we're, we're controlling our tongue, our thoughts, and our actions to not sin in the process of that anger. That's what he's telling us to do. So he says, be angry, comma, and do not sin in the middle of it. The only way we can do that is in our relationship with Jesus, right? It's the only way, by learning how to have that self-control through his power in our life. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. That's not always easy. I'm tired. We're not getting anywhere. I want to go to sleep. (laughs) And just rest rest and take care of it in the morning. You know, it's not always an easy thing to do. Nor give place to the devil. See, when we're not pushing out the leftovers of our old sinful nature, we're giving place to the devil. We're giving what that means is giving us a foothold, a stronghold, an opportunity for Satan just to do whatever havoc he wants to in our life. And and sideswipe us to where we're not really realizing that's what he's doing. We don't want to do that. Don't give place to the devil let him who stole steal no longer but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good that he may have something to give him who has need i love it be a hard worker and but look what god tied in with that it says working right do, with your hands doing what is good and as a result having extra to do good to give to others who are in need <laughs> I just find that's, that's an interesting dynamic. I wouldn't have tied that into working hard. God saying, look, I want you to work hard so that not only your needs can be met and you can have dignity, but that you can also help others. See, and so we need to understand that's part of the character of God, to be hard workers working as unto the Lord. Let no corrupt word proceed from your mouth. Oops. Let no, Right? Corrupt word proceed. Now, corrupt doesn't always mean cursing. Corrupt can mean destructive. We can say things that will tear down one another. And we need to be be careful that what we are saying is not to be tearing down. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification. I have to find myself checking with God and say, and usually it's after the fact. I could have said this better. I've been praying, Lord, help me to know how to respond to things that push my buttons in a way that isn't derogatory, but in a way that communicates rightfully my concern, but in a way that's acceptable to you. And then as I finish that sentence, my mind goes, how do I do that? (laughs) <laughs> and so I have to rely on God to help me through the frustrating time to know that God is guiding my words and that my heart is is being very cautious about what I say and how I say it because I want to honor God. But of course that's not that's part of our flesh. So let not corrupt word let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers imparting grace to the hearers is saying those things that will help things to move along much more easily not necessarily conceding to wrong but just knowing how to add the benefit of the good in the situation and and to be a blessing and do not grieve the holy spirit of god yeah, and if we're grieving the Holy Spirit of God because we're acting in the flesh and we're not being in tune with him, then we're not able to be as close to God and being sensitive to the Holy Spirit leading us through whatever challenges that we're going through, right? So do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Praise God. God's given us the Holy Spirit to confirm that we're children of God and that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life and that her never take our name out of that, that book that we are his and we are secure in him. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And you're saying, why did I come to church today? (laughs) This is really kind of a negative thing. But really it's not because God is trying to show us that, that these things that we all experience are things that are leftovers of the flesh and not the spirit of God. And the more we push back or remove these type of leftovers in our life, if you will, the closer we are to Jesus. And the more we shine for him. And the better witness we are for God. And the greater available vessel we are for God and his kingdom work. So this passage tells us to throw out these leftovers. Lying. Anger that causes sin. Stealing. Time or material goods. Corrupt words. We should be speaking words that edify or give grace to those who hear us. Things that disobey or grieve God. Bitterness. Clamor. Shouting loudly and insistently. Evil speaking. Malice and unforgiveness. And we don't like to acknowledge those things as maybe being a part of our character, of our old sinful nature. But if we're humble before God and say, "God, show me where I'm falling short in these areas," and I don't want these leftovers in my life from my old self, I want the newness of You in my life, and help me to have the wisdom to know how to conduct myself in a way that's more acceptable and more glorifying to You, Lord. Isn't that wouldn't that be a proper heart attitude? Say, Lord, I don't like these things, but I acknowledge these things, and I need you to help me with these things because I want to be the person you want me to be. Peter also emphasized getting rid of some of these same leftovers. So not just what Paul said. Now Peter talks about the leftovers of our old self. So get ready for Peter's statement. And you know, the Apostle Peter, the Apostle Paul, writing the epistles, these are Holy Spirit-inspired, important things that God wants us to hear, right? Right? so that we can be even that much more close to Christ as we die to ourselves and live for him. 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, desiring the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Did you catch that? If we learn to lay these things aside pull these leftovers out of the refrigerator, keep ourselves from holding on and harboring these uh, characteristics of a sinful nature, then what happens is that we grow beyond milk, spiritual milk. What's that mean? It means that, that instead of being on a level of spiritual understanding that is just basic and, and really very shallow the more we push these things away and yield to God, then the deeper our understanding of God is and the deeper and richer and closer our relationship with God will be to where God can begin to give us more things to help us to understand and give us not milk to drink. Because we know the, we know the picture. If a baby eats a piece of steak, he's going to choke. So if we're prepared by God because we are genuinely pushing out things and genuinely seeking that closer relationship with God, then God allows us to be prepared to receive the deeper things of who he is in our life. And that draws us to be closer to him, right? And so this passage of scripture says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If we don't take these these lists seriously, as, as part of our life, then, then we, we put ourselves in jeopardy of not growing as close to God as God wants us to. I mean, that's the basic reality of that is if we hold on to sin, we're not going to grow closer to God. But if we recognize sin and put it out, then we have a greater opportunity to be closer to him. So Peter added, throwing out the leftovers of deceit, hypocrisy, and envy. that's the characteristic of the world and it's the characteristic of the cardinal flesh but it's not the characteristic of of the believer who's walking in step with the spirit of God and we need to understand the importance of that because when we are embracing God and rejecting these things we're closer to God we're closer to him To throw out the leftovers on Paul's and Peter's list, we need to deal with our thought processes. And I was kind of giving you a hint about that. Lord, how do I do this and this and this uh, in an effective way that's communicated correctly that is in line with you and pleasing to you and yet still accomplishes what needs to be done? And that's kind of a big deal, but it's a thought process. You have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Praise God that God changes how we think, how we understand things, what our priorities are, what our relationship is with God. It helps us to see us in our sinful, carnal flesh, but also shows us the privilege of a, that new life in him. That's a wonderful blessing. Romans twelve two tells us again... And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Lord, I need you to walk me through this process. How do I communicate in a way that's effective and pleasing to you when I'm mad and not sad? So I yield to him, I listen to him, and he will change my thinking process and will help me to realize I can do that through him, He'll, he'll give me what I need, Here, give me the understanding to that. And that's something that we look at and we go, wow, God, you're listening to me, I know, and, you're, and you are um, teaching me, and you are in the process transforming how I think and do things. And that reflects the new nature. And it causes my heart to go deeper in love with God. And I believe it does with you, too, when you see God changing you. And we all see God working in our life. We say, well, I am much closer to God. And I am uh, uh, seeing myself in step with Jesus in ways that are deeper and richer than I have ever seen before. That's part of the transformation. So we are transformed by renewing our mind. Out of the bad things and in with the good thoughts, out with the bad things and in with the good thoughts, that comes with monitoring what all we think about and deliberately put in our heads. Deliberately put in our heads. I have a note here. It came to me this morning. It's in... Revelation 2.17, and I felt like God wanted me to include this in the message this morning, and my prayer is that it is not a rabbit chase, um, but that it is um, supportive and, and connective to what, what we're talking about here. Jesus said, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give him the hidden man to eat and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. So without getting into a lot of detail about that passage of Scripture, the manna is Jesus. He's the bread of life. We've received Christ as our Savior. The white stone is forgiveness and, and, and not being judged for our sin. And a new name written. What is a name? A name is character, isn't it not? When we look at the name of Jesus, we're looking at not just Jesus, we're looking at the character of who he is. That's what a name represents. It represents the character of a person. So on the stone, and on the stone, that white stone of of being forgiven and being clean in the Lord, in Christ, right? And on that stone, a new name written which no one knows, and this last part intrigues me, except him who receives it. Some will say, well, it's a new name of of the body of Christ or whatever. But I think it's more personal than that. And when i and, and, and Lord help me to connect this. A personal name from Jesus. We're gonna receive a new personal name from Jesus. Personal implies personal, unique to us as individuals, our own character, but I had one commentary, and I like what he said, how many of you have ever used a nickname for your spouse, you know, or, or your child, or grandchild, or whomever, right, it's, it's something that means something, like Tatum, I call her Tater Tot, because she was, that's what she was called when she was little, so hey, Tater Tot. You know, but the point that I'm trying to say is that that unique um, nickname, if you will, is is a distinction that's unique and understood between you and that person. So when God gives us a new name that that only we can receive, it's going to be uniquely related to our relationship with God and how it's developed and how it's revealed to where when God calls us that name, we know exactly how personal it is about us and our life and our relationship with him. Having said that, the more we put away the leftovers, the more we put away the old nature, the more we die to self and live to God, the more we experience transformation of growth in our life, that draws us closer to God and we become more, uh, uh, we reflect more of his character and we're closer to him, right? So here's the link. As we experience Jesus here because we're dying to self and yielding to him, he's revealing the new person that we are in a very personal, affectionate, Way that one day will be revealed by that new name. I'm giving you your name that's specific to you and your character and our relationship that ties you in with me on that personal level that is unique to yourself alone. So the more we 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 find ourselves living the new life and experience that new that new man, put on the new man or the new person in Christ Jesus. We're actually beginning to see who God is making us, who God is transforming us to be a little bit more this side of heaven. When we get to heaven, we're going to be made complete in him, right? He's begun a good work, and he will complete it. That's in in Philippians. And so we are transformed by renewing our mind putting the bad thoughts, the bad action. When we float and we realize we're thinking where we're, our brain went into the garbage can, we, we immediately pull our head out of the can and say, God, forgive me, and redirect our thoughts. This is, this is strategy on how to keep our focus right with God and our heart close to him. It takes a more deliberate effort on our part to do that, and we must start making God-pleasing choices of which we, of what we watch, read, listen to, don't be careless or casual about what the world throws at us. But we need to be distinctively um, unique in that we are are identifying the things that we don't want to go into our head, we don't want to be in our eyes, we don't want. We want everything in line with God. You know, when Scripture says, "Be holy, for the Lord your God is holy." I'm thinking, that's impossible, but you're commanding us to do it, (laughs) right? He's simply saying, pursue the holiness of your father. Live that type of life. You're not better than people, but you're learning how to apply the things that are right in God's eyes to your life by yielding to him and rejecting that which is wrong. Leftovers like jealousy, envy, anger, bitterness, and malice are amped up by talking negatively with others. People are much quicker to feed on negative thoughts about others. Give me the juicy juicy morsel. (laughs) Right? Why is it that we as human beings love the juicy morsels? We're privileged because we've got insight. at the the sake of someone else's name and character. And yet our spirit says, "Uh uh-uh, let's not do that. Let's not do that at all. We need to renew our minds by filling them with godly thoughts that we gain from reading and memorizing scripture. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9 And these words words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, as part of the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter six, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, Involves including God in every area of your life and yielding to him and learning how to do that and then teaching your children how to do the same. To be that example, to be that instrument that God can use to help us, to help others grow closer to God. Hanging on to old leftovers will affect our testimony and our church's testimony in a watching world. Our testimony can be good and it can be bad. Now, let's define good. But good. A good testimony is one that's pleasing and acceptable to God, but, on, but is something that's offensive and opposing to the way of the world. <laughs> right? That's a good testimony. A bad testimony is not pleasing God, but pleasing the world. So we have to make our mind up that we're going to have a testimony that's pleasing to God, even if we get the heat from the world. It's simple. Have you ever heard of, like in school, teachers in here, uh, students that are maybe favorite students, right? And when I was growing up, they were called goody two-shoes. I think I mentioned that last week, right? Or you're the apple of the eye of that that teacher, right? You're going to get scorned for doing good, for being right. But that's okay. Be what God wants you to be. 1 Peter 2, one says, therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, and envy, and all evil speaking. Put away all evil speaking. It may feel good to evil speak. That's kind of a weird way to put it. <laughs> Man, if I got something to tell you, and you can unload it, and I have a right to because I got this on my mind. Somehow we have to change that to where we're filtering it through God. Sometimes God wants us to just lay it at his throne instead of someone else's feet. And we need to, we need to learn to do that, but that's dying to ourselves and not to God. Right? It's, not, it's dying to ourselves, excuse me. And, and we have to die to ourselves and live for God. If someone has done something wrong to us and we talk of vengeance, what will those around us think? If we become a scornful, vengeful people, what will others think about that? It doesn't glorify God. Ephesians 4.32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. We may dig our heels in and say, I have a right. We may dig our heels in and say, I am right. But anything not done in love is, is not what God wants. God wants us to be tender-hearted toward each other, forgiving one another as Christ forgave us. How does God deal with you? How does God deal with me and my failures? Is he loving? Is he firm? Yeah. But is he loving? Loving? Yeah, because he never does anything without love. The motive is love. And so we need to learn to have that tender heart, understanding each other, being tender toward their thinking and and work together that way. As Christians, we're supposed to be displaying God's love and forgiveness through our words and actions, because the world doesn't do that. The world becomes more and more unloving and selfish, whereas you and I are called to be more loving and forgiving. Malice towards others or, or evil speaking about others doesn't accomplish what God wants. People will not be seeing Jesus in you. They will see you like everyone else. And the leftover of deceit or guile means more than just being cunning. Deceit implies trickery and misleading others to get what we want. In other words, have you ever sensed somebody's talking to you and you just know they have an ulterior motive? That irks the daylights out of me. (laughs) I want to call them on it, but I don't have the proof. You know what I'm saying? And I have to ask God, God help me to see truth, to be wise, and to love as you would have me to, and still not be an idiot that's stomped on. You know what I'm saying? I want, be, I want to be in a right standing with you in dealing with that. Many of us have probably read multiple instances of Jacob in the book of Genesis deceiving others to get what he wanted. For example, in Genesis chapter 27, Jacob dresses up like his brother Esau, deceive his own father to get his brother's blessing for himself. Every time I read that, I go, wow. And boy, was Esau hairy. I mean, he had to put an animal skin on that's all fur. That dude was covered up. But to bring that deception, wow, this deception did nothing but tear the family apart. And it took many years for Jacob to learn that deception was wrong and that God would be the one to bless him. We need to look to God for our needs and trust him with that. For example, look what happens when ministers of God deceive the sheep just to make money for themselves. The church body is hurt as a whole, and many people in the world see the fakery. We've seen it through the years. I mean, if you're older like I am, you know, the 70s and all that, and the, and the, the hypocrisy and the, the wrongdoings of christian ministers on tv and things like that human beings have just got off track with god right but it hurts the whole body and our testimony is not just hurting us if it's not right it's hurting our church family it's hurting the the christian name so we have to take it seriously and, and or even more seriously and be careful with it and be delicate with our testimony the church body is hurt as a whole, and many people in the world see the fakery. And we may not see ourselves as Jacob or some, some fake minister deceiving others, but I've witnessed Christians, and I think you have too, manipulating others, using emotional pleas or for physical needs to control others' actions on some level and get something they want. And one of the worst leftovers that has harmed christian church families and those on the outside watching is hypocrisy i have heard non-christians and even christians i don't want nothing to do with church because they're a bunch of hypocrites i don't want nothing to do with church because all they do is ask for money this is not the witness that we want right you want to be in step with god being the people that god has called us to be when Christians don't walk the walk or live godly lives once they leave the building, everyone's testimony is harmed. We, we need to understand. It. So many times through the years, the, the the lifestyle outside of church doesn't reflect the lifestyle that's being projected in church. That's hypocrisy. And as true Christians, believers in Christ that want to follow Him, we are to worship Him daily. Worshiping Him daily is keeping ourselves in step with Him daily. It's an act of worship to serve God. It's an act of worship to to praise Him. Everything that we do in line with Him and step with His Spirit is an act of worship because we love Him. So we need to remember that our testimony is broad and, and affects people far beyond what we know. Yeah. Bottom line, we are all humans with a sinful nature, right? But that doesn't mean that God doesn't give us the grace to throw out the leftovers. Because <laughs> it's it's a cop out to say, Well, I'm only human. No, you're not. You got the Holy Spirit living in you. Right? We have the Holy Spirit of God that empowers us to walk in his power and his might and to be transformed into his character. And to be people of God rather than people of the world, we are not only human. We are living temples of God. Amen? In Matthew 5, 16, it says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Good works doesn't validate your integrity. Integrity validates your good works. You follow that? A lot of people can say they're doing a lot of good things, but if their heart isn't right with God and that, that integrity is not there, it is eliminated, those good works. It's invalidated. We have to have that heart of integrity with God, a love relationship with Jesus and, and that grows deeper and deeper, that's not content with being the same, but is only content with growing more in love with him, with the Lord. We have Christ's light in us now and we need to let it shine for others to see. I'm not saying we're not. I'm saying the more we push out the leftovers, the brighter the flame will be seen. The the more Christ will be seen in your life. Look, we don't even have to say anything sometimes, and people will know we're a Christian. Have you been there? Have you ever sensed that? Where people I've had people not like me because they can sense I'm a Christian. And, and I can get the bad vibe from them really clear. Because they see the contrast of my life and the life they're living. Darkness and light doesn't mix. So we, we have Christ's light in us now and we need to let it shine for others to see. We should not be blocking that light, light with leftovers. So this week, take time to start. Not that we're not all ready, but that we continue. It should be... A better statement that we continue cleaning out the leftovers that aren't glorifying to God in your lives one of the things I we'll say about leftovers in our clothes i don 't know about you but I find a lot of rotten food in the back of the cabinet that says expiration date two thousand seven <laughs> sometimes because i i, I don 't clean out my refrigerator on you know every three months or whatever you know so it's Now I feel bad. I disclosed this bad habit to all of you. (laughs) But uh, those leftovers can come right back. And you have to be intentional and push them out and yield to the Lord. So um, praise God for the grace and power that he gives us to die to the old man, to push out those leftovers of the flesh and to embrace the newness of God in our life. Amen? Let's go to the Lord. Father, I want to thank you for each person here. I want to thank you, Father, for those that will be listening to this message or that are watching the message now. And I pray that you just carry this message into each and every one of our hearts, that it's a simple message in essence, Father, that we continue to push away the old man and live the new life in you. And I pray, Father, that we will just continue to be more intentional about that. Let our hearts grow deeper in love with you. May our integrity before you become clearer and stronger. And may you be glorified through us. Use us, Father, for your your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.